actually, if you just wrote today for five minutes, that would still help. And then if you don't write again for a month, it's okay. But just write something. If you get even the slight tickle to do it, do it. (laughs) You have to. Welcome to the Find Your Voice podcast, a show where we believe in the power of the written word to create positive change in your personal life, your community, and the world. I'm your host, Allison Fallon. Whether you're an aspiring author or someone who swears they're not a real writer, we're here to show you how a regular practice of writing will help you access your intuition, make an impact, and find your voice. Join me for interviews with authors, writing prompts, and stories of how even simple words change lives. For today's episode of the Find Your Voice podcast, I'm going to talk with a woman who is an actress, a writer, a badass businesswoman, an advocate for mental health, a personal coach, a former host for Access Hollywood, a two-time Emmy-nominated multimedia journalist, and so much more. So what she and I talk about is, I think, going to surprise you. Today we talk about how and why she took a pivot out of the world of entertainment entirely. Despite the fact that there were a lot of glamorous elements to her work in Hollywood, my guest today, Alex Hudgens, found herself feeling more and more distant from her true self the longer she worked in television, unsure of the difference between what she truly wanted versus what she was told she should want, until finally she couldn't stand it anymore. She took the brave leap to quit. And contrary to what popular opinion might suggest, Alex left behind the glamorous life in the spotlight to see if she could get back in contact with something that mattered to her much more than the success she always thought she wanted. Since then, she spent the past few years taking back her voice, her own intuitive knowing, her sense of inner calm and peace. Maybe you resonate with Alex. Maybe you're not a Hollywood actress, but maybe you have found yourself in a situation where you're not even sure what you want anymore where you have a hard time telling the difference between your own voice and the voices of those around you. If that's the case, you're going to love today's episode with Alex Hudgens. Alex Hudgens, welcome to the Find Your Voice podcast. I'm so excited to be interviewing you. (laughs) I'm so excited to be here. This is so cool. I love it. We've been doing podcast at this point for I don't know how many years like the OG podcast people have been doing them but it's still new-ish in my world so when I get to come on one I'm like (gasps) me yes (laughs) well so a list of things I want to cover with you today including your own writing process because you're working on a book and and uh, you're such a badass woman out there in the world I want to talk about you know like women power and, and, and confidence and all that stuff. And I also want to talk about black lives matter. And I also want to talk about, well, this will, it'll air enough past the election. We probably shouldn't talk too much about the election, but who knows, maybe we still won't have a president by then. (laughs) Um, I want to talk about problems. I want to talk about the topic of your book, which is social media and this idea that we have that we need to grow our platforms bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. Anyway, we'll get to all of that, but I want to start with the question, the first question that I always ask on this show, which is, what does the the phrase find your voice mean to you? Yeah. 
I really like it because for the phrase itself invokes so much curiosity for me because it implies that like I haven't found my voice yet. Like I need <laughs> to find it. And honestly, I think, you know, I'll speak for myself, but in a lot of ways I am constantly finding my voice, though at this point in my life I do feel the most confident in it that I ever have. So for me, finding my voice has meant, you know, what does Alex think and believe outside of and then insert thing from my upbringing, you know, outside of being from St. Louis, Missouri, outside of being a Midwestern, outside of growing up in the Church of Christ, outside of growing up in any Christian denomination, you know, then going into TV and when you're someone who performs on camera that often can leak into your life and it becomes, well, who am I really outside of this public persona that is my job? So yeah, there's just so much there. And uh, I just turned 30 last week, maybe a week and a half. Heck yeah. And everybody kept telling me something happens in your thirties where you just kind of like stop caring what everyone thinks about you. (laughs) Welcome to the best decade of your life. Thank you. And and truly I I'm already feeling it. Like I really I I believe I mean in some ways I've felt like 80 years old for the last 10 years or so. <laughs> I've been in LA and I work in TV. And strangely enough, you know, with actors you always the, the kind of stereotype is people lie about their age. Well, I've historically been a host and I was actually pretty young in the hosting world. And we'll get discredited for that. So I've never lied about my age per se, but I tend to let people think that I'm older if they think that. So it's this bizarre thing of like, I technically just turned 30, but somehow just crossing that personal dateline, like, girl, I'm about to go off on everybody on social media. (laughs) (laughs) I look like such a ratchet slob going into CBS. Like, I don't care. So can't wait for the rest of the decade. Amazing. Let's let's dig into that a little bit because we've had we have a lot of writers on the show, but I don't I think you might be the first person we've had who really has a career in TV. So can you just give us a little peek into what that's like and specifically what it's like as it relates to to knowing your own voice and being able to share your voice with the world? Sure. So full disclosure, dear listeners, I am not currently working in the same realm that I was, but I was in entertainment news. And to kind of come to the end of your question right now, I ended up leaving because I felt like I'd lost my own voice in the yeah. of what was going on. So my sixth grade band teacher tells a story that I walked up to him on the first day of sixth grade band class and said, I'm Alex Hedgens and I'm going to be the next Katie Couric. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, if you're into the Enneagram, then as you might've guessed, I am a strong three. And yeah. I think that that dream lasted for a really long time and still kind of had its teeth in me, even after it was time to let it go. And that 12 year old ended up, I did local news for a hot second, did not like it. I was a production assistant. I wasn't even on camera there. Ended up moving to LA Typical LA story, didn't know anybody, didn't have any money, all my stuff in my truck, driving from St. Louis, that whole thing. Within two years, I landed my job on Access Hollywood, which is on NBC. So I was national by 25. The woman that mm-hmm. whose job, I won't say I replaced her, but who had the job before I was, was 
at least 10 years older. Again, you never really know. (laughs) But it was like a whole thing because for me, I, you know, I was like, oh, sweet. Like I've made it to the national level so young. It must be because, you know, God wants me to make it to the Today Show young. Like I don't have to wait till I'm 45. I'm going to get there before I'm 30 and this whole thing. And after a couple of years, of truly incredible experiences. It was great while it was great, but the pace was totally unsustainable. You know, two phones, I call my other phone my leash, up at four every single day for years and years, traveling. You know, you're going to Australia two days from now. You're going to be there for 30 hours. You're going to come back and go to Vancouver the next day. (laughs) Like, madness. I realized that I was feeling pretty lost in who... I was, I was starting to care about things that I didn't care about. I was having to, didn't care about before LA can kind of do that to you in the, like, I didn't know yes. I want a giant house in a Tesla, but I think I do now. <laughs> Nothing wrong with those things, but it's kind of exposure therapy in the dark way. And I was talking about things required to talk about things that I didn't care about. I mean, honestly, like after yeah. a while, I I went into news thinking I like to tell stories. I'm a storyteller. I like to talk to people. I like to experience the world through other people's stories. I want to, if I'm going to go on entertainment news, cool. Now I'm going to be around people with real ability to make change. I'm going to be around celebrities with these huge platforms and we're going to get to talk about the causes they care about. And perhaps that sounds happy clappy and very much the 22 year old version of what a sure look like. Yeah. And- there were moments of that, certainly. And this is not a knock on Access Hollywood or Complex or Black Tree, any of the outlets I was ever with. It's just the nature of the beast is, yeah, yeah you had a great conversation with the director, but what's going to make air is the two minutes where we made you ask if someone was pregnant. Like that, that's yeah. kind of more of the norm. And I really realized I'm not telling the stories I care about telling. And I don't feel like I'm making the difference that I want to make and I'm exhausted. So eventually yeah, yeah. I left. <laughs> I can, I can see all of those things happening just from my time in LA. First of all, the pace of life there is really different than any, I've lived a bunch of places. I grew up in Portland, Oregon, I lived in South Florida. I've lived in Minneapolis. I've lived in uh, North Carolina. I've lived in Tennessee. So I've lived all over the place. And, um, and then also obviously Pasadena. And I, uh, there's a, there's a pace of life, an expectation on the individual, like a culture of hustle in LA that, you know, and I haven't lived in New York. I know it's different. Like I think the attitude from New Yorkers to LA folks is like, it's like, they're, they're, they don't, they're not working hard enough. <laughs> but I, I do think from my experience living in LA, I can 100% see how really quickly you would lose sight of what you really want, what really matters to you, an ability to listen to your own inner knowing, your own intuition. Um, because it's easy to get swept up in this idea that like this great big LA life where of, of not just wealth, like you mentioned, but also celebrity, you know, you've been around a ton of celebrities, you've interviewed some of the biggest celebrities that are out there, you know, names that we all recognize like Oprah and Tom Cruise and Julie Roberts and George Clooney and Justin Bieber, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, We hang out on the weekend. 
<laughs> so, so I can completely see how it would be easy to lose touch with yourself and lose your way. Can you, so, so you make the decision to leave the industry and then what have you done? What are some of the things that you've done to help find your way back to yourself? Sure. Um, good question. All of the things. <laughs> I mean, I'm a big believer, a spoiler alert. I'm now a coach. I hesitate to use the word life coach in LA because that means a lot of things. I'm not one to tell you to stick a crystal up your butt and spin in a circle to solve all your problems. (laughs) Maybe that works for some people. It does not work for me. But anyway, I'm a really strong believer in coaching. So I both am one and have a coach. Therapy was in the mix. A lot of workshops. I I love (laughs) self-work. I mean, it hurts, but maybe that's also the three. I also like enjoy it. That's actually part of what I studied at Vanderbilt. It's like, how do people work? And so then kind of use myself as the experiment. I love brain science. I'm always reading that type of stuff. So like kind of all of that was happening. Plus, you know, first of all, let me not sound like I just woke up and said, I'm going to quit my you know, Emmy nominated national TV job. It was hard. It took months, uh, less months than I realized it would take fewer months, but I, I spent a lot of time in conversation with friends who I, friends and mentors who I trust and had some really hard conversations. I think that's been quite the topic in my life lately on, on, for so many reasons, but like the, the willingness to have hard conversations has been so important Mm -hmm. in my life and the willingness to be uncomfortable. And like, you kind of choose your discomfort. Like the hustle was uncomfortable too, but so was turning into myself and saying, okay, what do you really want? And I think I would not have been able to reach the clarity I, I did without really talking to people who know me well, um, many of whom have known me for a long time. And could say yeah. before this LA stuff. So here's what we see, and you know, get a little feedback. Feedback can be hard, but it's yeah coming from a trusted, loving source. Then, it, well, if you're me, then then you listen. So I would say coaching, therapy, workshops, reading, talking to people that I know and love, soliciting feedback truly, and listening to it, journaling. Yeah. Talking to people in the industry who were, because again, I was really pretty, pretty young and I talked to people who were older than me and kind of asked them to level with me. Like, is this how I'm going to feel for the next 20 years? Yeah. <laughs> how do you cope with X, Y, and Z? How do, what do you think about this? And, and ultimately like there were so many other things going on too. My, my desire to act was starting to grow and I was in a two-year acting program that was kind of wrapping up right around when I left Access and that helped I think because I'd found another passion to kind of shift energy to it wasn't a full existential what do I do with my life now sure but you know it turns out listening to that inner voice and 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 faith is still very much part of my life. I am not part of the Church of Christ that I grew up with. I'm I'm not. Sadly enough, I'm. I even you know, what is a Christian these days? Dealing yeah. with a, the vocab around all of this stuff. But my prayer life was uh, lit at that time because 
I'm just like, I, I need to be listening to things that I don't know that I've been in tune, attuned to or in tune with in so, so long. And in order to let go of, yeah, what you said, the, it's not just the wealth, which I won't make that much money, but the wealthy, <laughs> that of the fact that, you know, I've realized so many times since then, it's like a running joke how spoiled I am. Like, I don't stand in lines. I don't sit in normal seats. I don't pay to go see movies. I don't need yeah. to use dating apps. I'm dating these actors. Like, that whole thing. It was like, whoa, you have to let a lot of this stuff go. But it might actually be worth, like, your soul. Yeah, yeah I think that's the question that I that comes up for me as I'm listening to you talk is, like, you know, I guess this could be true in any industry, not just the entertainment industry, where you're working a job where there are a lot of perks to the job. So maybe that's your paycheck or maybe it's your benefits or maybe it's, you know, the the notoriety that you get or the contact or connections to certain people who you perceive as important or whatever it is. But like any of those things, what are they, what are, what is it saying about how you see yourself if you're taking all of those things at the expense of your own soul or your own sense of having a purpose in your life? And to me, this is super connected to finding your voice. Finding To me, find your voice doesn't just mean I can say the things that I want to say, but it also means I can do the things that I want to do in my life and I can stand on my own two feet and I can create meaning out of my life no matter what happens to me and that I have a little bit of agency over what does happen to me. So if you're trading all of that for, I'm just, I'm reiterating what you're saying. I'm saying in different words, but if you're trading all of that, that sense of having some agency in your life for Mm -hmm. a Tesla and a big house, uh, you know, a big mansion in LA or whatever, which hilariously like a $3 million house in LA is not a big mansion. It's like like, like 2,000 square feet. (laughs) But if you're trading all of that for those things, at the end of the day, what is it that you actually have? you know, not much. And for some, it breaks my heart. And and it's part of why I went into coaching. I feel like I answered part of your question and then went into a whole tangent because I'm an 80 year old (laughs) woman inside. But like, what I did after I left X Hollywood was set up Hybrid House, which is my production company, which truly, I mean, I could go into how I named it and why I named it, but like even just the word hybrid, it is a mix of things. So people automatically Mm. assume I'm like doing television production. Not at this moment. I mean, nobody is at this particular moment, but I want it to be a a conglomerate of things. I want live events. I want my coaching practice falls under that. I do want to write for film and TV. I'm also writing a book right now. Looks like I'm going to be self-publishing. Welcome to Hybrid House Press. (laughs) to, to (laughs) To go back to what you were saying, like that is that everything that we've been saying is really what lit a pattern for me to coach because I know what it feels like to not really know what you really want. Like what is authentic to me? What is my best life like? Not according to anybody else. What makes me feel purposeful? And like you said, create meaning and people seem to have forgotten that that's true. I, you know, you don't, well, this happened and it's always, we like to blame circumstances. We like to, well, so-and-so made me feel that nobody can make you feel anything. Like there's so many choices that I think, and I could go down the social media rabbit hole right now. Like we've just got a lot of 
pollution in our like choice. Wait, can we pause on that phrase for a second? Because I feel like that's so important. The pollution in our choice making, the pollution, it's toxicity. It's uh, like polluting our ability to access the part of us that knows how to make choices. That is such a freaking fantastic way to say that, Alex. Thank you. I've never said it that way. So let's all write it down. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's true though. And and that's what makes coaching really fun for me is that circumstances do matter. Other people saying mean things to us do matter. Like all of that. I'm not discounting it so much as saying, yeah, and you still have a choice and you have to keep making it day. And it's such a cool thing to get to partner with people, with my clients as they clear the air. If we're going to keep going with the pollution as they find true clarity based on what they want and the choices that they will commit to. And it's just really yeah. neat. I find a lot of meaning in that work. And I still do some TV. Anybody out there that watches QVC, you might've seen me uh, out there. <laughs> that's, I will always, I, I truly enjoy television production. QVC is, is live. So that's really fun. That's something I haven't gotten to do a ton of prior to. I get to go out there and who knows what's going to come out of my mouth for seven yeah. minutes to an hour. And, you know, it's a, it's a fun little, uh, side hustle, if you will. And and what comes to mind, I don't know why this comes to mind. Maybe somebody needs to hear this. When I was deciding to leave Access, I really struggled with, yes, these feelings of, am I going to be irrelevant now? Is anyone going to mm-hmm. care what I'm up to? Is anyone, whatever. And then also, what if I don't make it as an entrepreneur? What if I don't make it doing what I think I want to do? Will I be able to come back? And it's taking me years and semi-regular maintenance to remind myself that nobody can take away from you what you've already done. So go ahead and take the jump. Trust that you're going to build your wings on your way down, as they say. And also that like your resume is still there. Like, can you still speak to relevant experience? Can you still bring up stories? Like there's just QVC was the thing for me because I didn't work in TV for about a year and a half before I landed that job. And the woman that hired me didn't care that I wasn't actively on Access Hollywood. She was like, you're a professional host. You have two Emmy noms. We have a reel that you knew what you were doing. I assume you still do. I'm like, yeah, I still do. And that's become one of the most fun, like, things I've gotten to do. And it just reminded me that I needed to walk away. I needed to start building my own things. And also this fear of... Somehow, if I pivot, I've lost everything I've done is just not accurate. Like, that's just not true. It's so crazy how we tell that story to ourselves that if we, if we trust what our intuition is telling us to do, which oftentimes our intuitions guide us to make choices that don't make logical sense, just like you're talking about, whether it's leaving a job or leaving a relationship or cutting off a friendship or whatever it is that you're, you right now in your gut know you have to do. Mm -hmm. We, we have this way of telling ourselves the story. If I do this, I'm blowing up everything. I'm ruining everything. When so often the opposite is the truth. Yep. Yeah. It's crazy to me. And I think that it is connected to what you said about the pollution of our environment. Part of why we have such a hard time listening to ourselves is because our environment is polluted. So when you're working with clients, uh, coaching clients, you know, writing is one of the ways that we teach people to help clear the air 
to continue with the metaphor and, and to learn to hear the sound of their own voice again. What are some other things that you do with clients to help them do that, to help them come back into touch with themselves? Yeah. Well, first of all, recommend that they journal. <laughs> I've sent, I believe one of my clients is one of your clients now. And Ooh, on I love it. your programs, because I was like, you need to follow Allie Fallon and she, and download, buy her journaling thing. Da, 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 and she loved it. So there's that. We also, a lot of what I do, I would, I would call inquiry-based coaching. So I ask a lot of questions and then mm. so as essentially a mirror. I'm pretty hardcore in the belief that, that people know what they want and quite often know like how to do it. It's just this, sometimes we need someone else to help pull that out or help dust it off or help make it clear or help us listen. And so what I do as a coach primarily is listen (laughs) and ask questions. That's kind of it. It's like, okay, let me mirror back to you what I'm hearing. And, and, you know, for me too, I do all video calls. And part of what I studied, like I mentioned earlier at Bandy was body language and how people interact like interpersonal communication and psychology were like a big part of my schooling. So I like to watch as well as listen because our body gives away a lot of things that our words often do not. Yeah. <laughs> That's a fun game to, you know, I'm not sitting there to like, I caught you. You blinked when you said, it's not like that. <laughs> There's a pretty clear energy quite often coming off of someone's body before they say a word. And so sure. kind of all of that, it's like helping people, while we talk about getting quiet and listening to your own inner voice, and I think that is hugely important, obviously, it is also sometimes really helpful to have kind of somebody else help listen to your inner voice, if you will. <laughs> because, totally. I mean, as soon as fear or anxiety enter the picture, all automatically we're not thinking as clearly. We, we, it's harder to to make those choices and things like that. So I'm working totally, with totally. asking questions. I'm listening. I am helping people set up systems and structures for like accountability. So we track progress. You know, one of my clients I've been working with for over two years and we've got this just like Google spreadsheet. I'm so not tech savvy. I talk about social media, but I don't know how to use my computer. Whatever that thing's called that looks like a spreadsheet, she tracks her commitments. So like, I won't go down mm. all vocab but it's a little commitments different than a goal in my world and and we track commitments so that you know two and a half years in she's taking big risks exciting risks like yeah the things she wants to do but guess what when we want to take a big risk our poor little reptile brain's like no we're gonna die it's really neat to have a system in place like these tracking sheets that i use with my clients are we get to this moment and, you know, she says, I want to do this, this, and this. I really don't know if I can or not. And then I'll get to say, well, are you committing to it? And she'll say, yes. And I say, so all a commitment is you're going to do what you say you're going to do, right? Yes. I don't care. I mean, I care, but like, I don't care how she's feeling in that moment. Cause guess what? We get to go back to two and a half years of data. We have evidence that you do yes. what you're going to do. So you might feel scared right now, but we can look at like, it's like a visual bank almost of, I don't really know yeah. how to pull this off, but look at all the other stuff I've pulled off. So I guess I'll try. 
that I love that. It's just like hacking. <laughs> I listen, I ask questions, and I hack brains. That's what I do for my uh, day job. <laughs> it's such a beautiful hack, too. And also, as you were talking about being a listener, I was thinking that's really the gift of the writing process is that when you write things down on a piece of paper, you can see them with a different set of eyes. And sometimes we can find a way to listen to ourselves yes. in a way that we aren't able to and we're just sort of like darting through our lives. And of course, you know, like I've had coaches on and off and therapists on and off my whole life. So it, it sometimes we aren't able to fully listen to ourselves without an outside observer. But but totally. the writing process helps us to learn how to do that exactly what you're doing for people, which is just like hearing yourself say the things that are actually really helpful to you to create positive change in your life. Yeah. And in real time, I think that I, <laughs> if I really trusted that everyone had really good community and like a journaling practice, we wouldn't need coaches. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That. But that's not always true. But I think, yeah, what I get to do is help people in real time. And what I often find for me is I will write something and then I need to like give it a little bit and then go back. Like I yeah. need to give it a f- couple days, maybe a couple weeks, maybe a couple years and go back. I'm like, what was I getting at there? Oh yeah. Wow. 100%. Look at these through lines now. I have a feeling most of your listeners probably know this because that's probably how they found you is you're, you're helping them create a practice of writing, but that has truly been one of the most transformative things in my mm. life. Uh, I'm not as consistent as I want to be. And my, I mean, it depends. Sometimes I'm super consistent and then 2020 like that. Yeah, sure, sure. But even in the moments that I'm, you know, I'm the type to sometimes get in my own way and this like, well, because I haven't journaled the last month, now I need to wait until like the first of the next month and then I'll commit to you every single day. (laughs) And then if I look that, I'm that human. However, if I can get away around that, which I'm pretty good at catching myself at this point, it's like, actually, if you just wrote today for five minutes, that would still help. And then if you write again for a month, it's okay, but just write something. If you get even the slight tickle to do it, do it. (laughs) You have to. That's great advice. It's great advice. Can we, speaking of writing, can we talk about a little bit about your book. Mostly I want to talk about the, we can talk about the process of writing, pitching the book, whatever. But I mostly want to talk about the content because I think this is so compelling. And I don't want you to give the title away because we're still (laughs) waiting for the right publisher to partner with you. But just this idea of what's happening to us through social media. Can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. So uh, we we need five hours. <laughs> five <laughs> hours, I mean, one hundred. Uh, I am of the camp that I am on team. Social media is not going away, and I believe that it is unrealistic. And to be honest, for most people, not necessary to ask that we delete all of our apps. I do not think most people are just going to get off of everything forever. And sure. right now. Social media, in my opinion, is doing more harm than it is doing good. It can be really great for a lot of things. That's not where we're at. And Mm -hmm. so for me, this book is about, it's a lot about balance. It's a lot about 
boundaries. Can I get one more B in there? Yeah, right. (laughs) The three Bs of social media. (laughs) I want to give people practical help. I'm really, I already said on this podcast, like I love reading about our brains and all the self-helpy stuff. And and so, and so I, I am that target market. And also sometimes, a lot of times, it's this super wordy, flowery, or heady, or like, okay, thank you for like making, like, I feel motivated, but I don't know what to do. Like, where is the, I feel more in, I have self-awareness now. Well, self-awareness is a great start, but what is the action? Like, where's the change in my life? Now I'm just more self-aware and I'm still making decisions that aren't helping me. Like, that is my, um, I'm really passionate about helping people use social media in a way that works for them in a way that is fostering a healthy online life and also a healthy offline life. How do you use these things as a tool and not like, you know, this is where I get all my self-worth and, and also compare and despair all day long. And also as soon as I see that somebody's up to something cool, I feel inadequate and and all of that. It's gotten so out of proportion to like, this is a thing that lives on your phone and somehow it's like running my life now. Like, no, no. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Well, I think to not to put words in your mouth, but from my experience in working with you on this book, what the book is really about is asking yourself the question, how can I use social media for good in the world versus allowing social media to take over my life and to dictate how I feel about myself on a day-to-day basis and really helping people ask the right questions so that they can understand their relationship to social media and they can have a healthy relationship to social media. Yeah. Um, That's what I want. (laughs) That's the goal. I love how succinctly and beautifully you said it. That is, that's what I want. And like I said, that it's all of that. Plus then like, here are the questions I hope you ask yourself. Here's some research. Here's some brain science, like all of that fun stuff. And also, now yeah. that you know this, let's talk about how to set up a practice of journaling. Let's talk about how to build high-quality leisure activities. Because guess what? You can tell people, yeah. stop using your phone so much. And then if they don't know what to do with their newfound free time, I know. On their phone. <laughs> it's true. Well, and I heard a scientist talk about this on another podcast recently where she was saying basically like human beings, we don't always act in our own best interest, which is so true that we oftentimes when you're feeling depressed or you're feeling down, the thing that you reach for is not the thing that will actually make you feel better. It's the thing you think will make you feel better. So we reach for social media to make us feel better. Even those of us who are very self-aware and who get this and who have been at this a long, like, a long time, like you and I, uh, like, you know, you and I have learned the lessons the hard way that, that this doesn't make me happy. Like likes on my social media do not make me happy. And still, there are moments when I find myself stressed, burnt out, long day. My daughter's been crying. I finally get her down. I've got five minutes to myself. And I'm like, why am I on Instagram? <laughs> this doesn't make any sense. Yeah, reflex for a lot of us now it's so and you know there's a whole thing about using things on mobile versus having to go through the horrible process of pulling up facebook on your computer (laughs) like there's that but it's become the first thing we reach for in any moment of 
uncertainty, discomfort, boredom, anything. It's just the automatic now. And they're not inherently bad, right? Like you've had a long day, you've done your work, you, you relationships are hard, having a baby is hard, all of that. You're allowed to get on Instagram and find joy and rest on Instagram. Just like sure. you would if you watched sure. a funny movie. Just like you would if you read your favorite book that you've read 15 times. The yeah. thing for me is it's it's there's more manipulation going on behind the scenes and yeah. so much more of an addiction happening than just, this is okay. This is my dessert. That's not really what's happening anymore. Right. And there are ways for us to, to curb it and get back to that when, when we understand how it works and we understand boundaries on ourselves better. But I, the way I phrase it is I'm not anti-social media as much as I'm just pro people and we mm-hmm. have to sure figure out what what does it look like for me to be a functioning thriving human in 2020 and then how does social media work with that not kind of it is what it is and I just I just use it because I use it like no (laughs) yeah no yeah well I mean I just think you're the perfect person to to channel this message to the world because because of your unique life experience because of your credibility because of your empathy around this subject you know you left your job, you're, you're, you were on a track to be, you know, whatever, in whatever position you wanted to be in television, you were on the track to have that job. And you left because you knew that this wasn't actually making you happy the way that you hoped it would. And the connection there to me is really strong that so oftentimes we're reaching for these things that don't actually make us happy, but we think they're going to make us happy. And so we just keep doing them over and over and over again. And we're not stopping to ask the question, like, is this really fulfilling for me? Is this helping me achieve my purpose while I'm here on this planet? Do I feel like I'm standing on my own two feet and making meaning out of my own life? Or am I just sort of like letting the day-to-day grind spin away with, with me? And am I really getting after the things that I actually want? Or am I going after the things that everyone says I should want because they look great on Instagram, you know? Yeah, um, totally. Well, I received so- that. I'm very honored. Thank you. And for the record, this is something else that I wish listeners would would know. Everything you just said is true and totally saw it reflected in my life. And that's part of why, yes, I, I feel like I'm the person to write this book as well. And being around celebrities for years and years on end, dating them. This is not just I only saw people at work. Like there's plenty of behind the scenes, if you will. Also unhappy because of social media. Like the people yes. on the planet who have on this planet who have what we all think that we want, like the most, all needs met, money, fame, you know, all of the things, and still get on Instagram and feel like crap about themselves. Like if that's yeah. happening to them, what hope do us normal people have? Like, it is, <laughs> it is quite uh, pervasive, and so I hope. You know, don't feel discouraged, everybody. It's not over yet. We have not lost to yeah. uh, we we haven't, but I do think there's a bit of a reclaiming that has to happen. It's not you, it's Instagram. That's right. Oh, <laughs> uh, Alex, what is a what does a practice of writing look like for you present day in your life? Well, today day well i've lost a couple days because of the election let's be real about that (laughs) (laughs) tried (laughs) my i just mush brain 
Right now, I have challenged myself to write the manuscript for this book this month. <laughs> that in reality, I've gotten, I have so many chunks of it written. Like I need to go back and revisit and edit and things like this. And if, if people don't know, when you write a nonfiction book and you are trying to go the traditional publishing route, you do this big fancy proposal and there's a pretty hefty little writing sample attached to that. So, excuse me, I have a lot of it done, but I really, in part because of what's been going on with this process for me, as far as trying to sell this book, but I decided, you know what, whether a publisher comes out of nowhere or somebody changes their mind or we make a new connection or I decide to self-publish, I would feel better right now just getting my ideas out. Like yeah. the longer this takes, you know, the social dilemma just dropped on Netflix, got a lot of traction. It's so the moment for this. And I was like, what would happen if I just tried to write this book in a month? <laughs> like, not yeah, sure. to be perfect. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a shitty first draft. But yeah. <laughs> I just wanna get it. Uh, I want that in my hands so that I feel like I've really, really got like kind of juiced my own brain especially in the political, social, all in the climate that we're in right now. I want to make sure that I'm on top of my thoughts as it pertains to this book because I care about it so much. So for November, my writing process looks like I, I have to write something every day, something that has to love it, this topic. Um, And then I'm trying. You can't see me, but I'm fist pumping over here. I'm cheering for you. (laughs) Thank you. But yeah, and then I'm I'm still journaling a little here and there, more so when it strikes me, if you will. Like instead of saying I'm going to journal every single morning at 7 a.m., I'm more like when I feel like I'm about to explode, I'm going to write. Otherwise, that more structured into my day writing time is reserved for the book. I love it. Bye. Well, I I am your I won't say I'm your biggest fan. I'm probably not because I would imagine your boyfriend and maybe your mom are bigger fans than, than I am. But I'm, I am a huge fan of Alex Hudgens, and I know this book is going to exist in the world, and it's going to change many lives, and it's just a matter of time. So, I'm honored to be your friend. I'm honored to have you here on the Find Your Voice podcast to share with our listeners your insight and your wisdom and your life story. I am just waiting for the moment when the the puzzle pieces are going to click together and a publisher is going to partner with you in this. And this book is going to be on shelves everywhere. So we'll hold our breath for that and we'll send everyone your way. We'll interview you again when it comes out. But for now, I'm just grateful for your time today and for everything you shared with us and just for being vulnerable and, and sharing your story. Thank you, Allie. You're the best. We could just you're go back best. and forth saying that you're the no. best. But <laughs> working with that could be a fun life coaching. I would that could be a fun little life coach exercise. I would love you're the best. No, you're the best. No, you are. I really, I think I am your biggest fan. I'm just going to go ahead and knock all members <laughs> and Matt out of the running. Uh, it's me. And I, I will tell you this, and I'm, I hope you hear this and receive it. I, no, I haven't like sent anyone towards your Instagram or your website or anything who haven't come back and said, thank you. So just know that you are really putting out, you know, professional services. But I think so much of it too, is like the fact that you're vulnerable with your story and it's out there and people 
read indestructible and like all of this is such a so. service to people who the hope I'm clinging to especially as I'm watching the news these couple of days is there's a lot of mess right now and there's also some sort of rumbling going on where people are waking up to themselves and we've got this about what that looks like moving forward and I just love knowing that you were one of the people that's helping so thank you for that thank you thank you for being one of the helpers I'm I'm grateful to be with you Thanks for listening to the Find Your Voice podcast. We hope this inspires you to pick up a pen and start finding the words that will change your life, your community, and your world. If you liked what you heard today, share with a friend, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And if you haven't already, check out our website, findyourvoice.com. Subscribe to our Monday Motivation for free and get inspiring writing prompts in your inbox each week. Until next time, happy writing.